Welcome to the world of running. I'm your host Aditi Pandya. This is our 16th episode. In this episode we will be discussing pacing. Pacing refers to the speed at which a runner runs. Pacing becomes important as it ensures runners have enough energy for the entire race, especially for longer distances. There are different strategies to pace for various distances. Example, one paces with feel, it is also known as rate of perceived exertion. Then, pacing using GPS watches or breathing. And there are also workouts to improve pacing awareness. Before we go ahead with today's podcast, I have a request for all our listeners. If you like this podcast and know of someone who's getting into running, please share a podcast link with them. Our guest for today's episode is Daniel Vaz. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist from National Strength and Conditioning Association USA. Apart from this, Dan is a certified Ironman coach, has human kinetic certification from running mechanics and nutrition for endurance. Dan has completed 44 full and two ultra marathons. He is the head coach for Nike Running Club India since 2008 and part of Nike Global Coaches Summit at New York in 2015. So hi Dan, welcome to our podcast and thank you for accepting our invite. Hello, thank you. It's my pleasure. So Dan, I was reading about you and all the accolades that comes along with your name and uh, that's the reason we had a special interest to invite you for this particular podcast and um, Dan, uh, you know, we all say that there is art and science about pacing, right? It it is not about how much speed you can do, but it's about how much you can keep and endure that speed. Right? right so um pacing includes aerobic and anaerobic energy systems right so this first topic i want to talk about uh, talk about is identifying training paces and this generally is determined by heart rate and this will be different for various runners and right. so my first question goes to you as how can runners identify their running goal and plan their macro cycle So what's important is for people to first uh, identify the distance that they plan to race and uh, if you are a beginner as compared to if you are a runner who is seasoned the uh, identification of your pace will be different so for a beginner the intent is probably to only finish the race and there is no identification of a goal race pace but for an advanced runner or for a seasoned runner there is likely to be a goal race pace so talking first about the beginner uh, if you're doing let's say a 10k or a half marathon the intent is uh, largely to finish the race because you do not have the ability to identify what the different paces are and what your effort level feels like so uh, the intent is to complete the distance and therefore in training you would work with mainly what we talk as the conversational pace or easy pace which is a pace during which you are able to speak to another runner alongside or even if you don't have another runner alongside you are able to let's say recite a poem to yourself that's only one way of identifying that 
you are at an easy effort level. And this is the pace that you will maintain in all the distances that you have in your training schedule, whether it's starting with uh, 5K to an 8K to a 10K. And if you're making the transition to a half marathon, you'd probably go to a 15K, 16K, 18K. All of these distances in training, you are going to work with uh, just your easy pace. Now, coming to identification of goal pace for, let's say, a seasoned runner, you would first need to find out what has been your paces for uh, distances lower than the goal race. So if you have a 10K race coming up, A, what has been your uh, you know 5K race pace and or what has been your 10K pace in a previous attempt? You would use this and the way to attempt or fix a goal for that pace is if you have a 10K pace, I'd say the likelihood of you doing anything better than 10 to 12 seconds per kilometer is uh, remote. So you sh- you have to target something like around, let's say, 7 to 8 seconds per kilometer improvement. And this improvement you can hope to get in, let's say, a 12 to 16 week cycle of training. You use this as the base and then you schedule your training plan accordingly. And let's say if your pace, as an example, since we are talking about figures, is uh, six minutes per kilometer for a 10K that you have done earlier. And if you want to do, let's say, seven to eight seconds per kilometer faster, then it would be 553 right so you take 553 as your goal race pace and use it in your training to identify whether you can hold this pace for a majority of the distance that you are planning which means that one of the workouts that you would use is to find out race pace in the workout so typically you would attempt let's say 5k uh, at the race pace of 553 and do something before that at easy pace to warm up which means let's say you do 2k at easy pace and another 5k at your target race pace which in this case the example is 553 if you're able to hold this without a problem you make then the transition to using 7k or 8k by 8k you know more or less whether in training you can hold this pace. And mind you, this would normally happen in the final five weeks before your race because till then, you would build up your um, ability uh, to speed and endurance to get this kind of a target race pace in place. So this is just one of the workouts, as I said. Uh, I also have to explain to you that if you were to use your 5K um, time, to extrapolate uh, and find out what could be your 10K time. By and large, the guideline is that if you have a 5K time, uh, then the the pace for the 10K is around 10 to 12 seconds slower. Okay, so if your 5K K is, let's say, at uh, 25 minutes, which means it's a five minutes per kilometer pace, you would end up doing 5.12 or 5.10 for a 10k slower right that means you have to add the 10 to 12 seconds so this becomes your target pace when it comes to other training paces we could talk about it as we develop um, further on this question as to what are the range of other paces that you need to 
mix within your training plan. But the first thing I wanted to uh, identify and let people know is that race pace is this is the way to identify, like I explained to you. And the second is to incorporate it in your runs so that you can find out for yourself whether your goal is achievable or not. And that uh, gets seen in the final five weeks before your actual race. Right, So the macro cycle then becomes, as I said, 12 to 16 weeks uh, because that's the kind of time frame within which you can hope to get what we call in exercise physiology as adaptations. You know, you cannot get adaptations in four weeks or six weeks. You need uh, 12 to 16 weeks to get adaptations. In the case of a half marathon, the macro cycle could be a little longer, right up to 20 weeks. And of course, in a full marathon, you can work with maybe 24 to 26 weeks uh, because the race itself, uh, the full marathon, has a lot of um, you know uncertainties in it. And you need to work uh, quite a lot in order to get rid of those uncertainties. So you need more time, maybe around 24 to 26 weeks, if you want to identify a personal best, so to say. When we say a goal race space, we're talking about something better than what you were doing earlier, which becomes a personal best. Yeah. So this is very helpful, Dan. So just tell you something about myself. I'm planning to do a 10K uh, if TCS 10K happens, right? And I just finished my 5K. So I'm, I was just calculating when you spoke about how can I time my paces. So thank you. So Dan, I want to actually now switch uh, our, our focus on endurance, right? And uh, when I talk about endurance, they are the easy long runs and uh, so then um, when I talk about rate of perceived exertion, the scale can be between one to 10 and basically one and two uh, values will be basically for a runner to uh, who can talk to the fellow runner and 60 to 70% of the runs should be at this endurance space. Uh, so uh, my question is how to identify one's easy run pace while training? You could do that with either heart rate because um, heart rate can come in useful when you want to work out easy paced running or endurance or long run pace as we call it. Uh, you could work with a heart rate of anywhere between 65% to 75% of your max. And uh, this is a good target uh, range for uh, any person who, of course, no, uh, the, the requirement is that you need to know what is your heart rate max. And I must state at this point of time to the listeners that they should identify the max heart rate not from 220 minus your age because that's an empirical formula developed for a certain statistical population and it has been found that it's true for only 60% of the runners or the population and the balance 40 could be either below it or above it. So the right way first to find out your max heart rate is to uh, work with a 400 meter track where you run the 400 meters, one loop of 400 meters at your best effort level. Then you rest for just one minute, okay? Which means that meanwhile you are recording your heart rate, right? During that 400 meter interval. So you rest for one minute, you hit a second loop at your best effort level. Again, you're recording your heart rate. You rest for one more minute and then you hit the 400 meter loop a third time and in these three best effort level 400 meter loops you will 
and you are likely to hit your max heart rate and that should be the value that you should choose as your max heart rate and work with that value to identify what are your um, heart rates for other uh, training paces or other uh, you know goals in terms of whether it's lactate threshold or vo2 max which we can talk about and here i must state that a heart rate monitor which is a chest strap is the best thing to use because any of the wrist based optical methods sometimes can be erroneous so that's using the heart rate method but like you mentioned there is a 1 to 10 scale and usually in the 1 to 2 uh, rating of that uh, scale you are able to speak about 2 to 3 sentences we state you know when you are at a rating of rp of 1 to 2 you can speak 2 to 3 sentences which really means that you are having a comfortable conversation this is the effort level which runners should strive for when they want to talk about their easy pace and their long run pace and the, or their endurance pace so bulk of your running is meant to be aerobic where you are accumulating just uh, you know time on your feet or mileage as we call it and this has to be done at an aerobic level and the aerobic level is when you are comfortable you are uh, so to say burning more fat than carbohydrate and that really allows you to uh, stay on your feet for a long time um, so runners should use this guideline either using the effort level or heart rate the way i've explained it and you should be fine great so that is clear dan and i want to ask you that how can runners work on improving their future goal or marathon pace so here uh, i have i would like to differentiate between uh, you know uh, marathon pace as in the 42 km full marathon pace and the other races which can be the 10k or the half marathon now as i said first you identify the goal race pace which we have already covered right whether it's for the marathon or whether it's for a 10k so i ex- actually explain to you how to uh, extrapolate from a 5k uh, to a 10k by saying that you should uh, you know add 10 to 12 seconds to your pace so you are slower a further 10 to 12 seconds when you add you would reach what we call as your 10 mile pace which is approximately your 16k pace okay a further 10 seconds if you add you will reach half marathon pace all right and another 10 to 12 seconds you add you would reach your full marathon pace but it's easier said than done to achieve the full marathon pace so i'll treat that separately okay so that means you had a 5k time trial i showed you what can be your 10k race pace i showed you what can be your 10 mile race pace right plus 10 seconds plus 10 seconds plus 10 or 12 seconds up to the half marathon all right so you use this and then you use a training schedule in which you are building mileage using the rp of 1 to 2 and 60 to 70% of your total time in the week where you are investing in running so it depends on how much time you are investing whether you are investing 4 days a week or 6 days a week so it depends on how uh you know adapted a runner you are it's not possible to prescribe that you should run 6 days a week or you should run 5 days a week it all depends on where you are at the current point of time if you've been training for 4 days in a week stick to 4 days in a week and work on progressive uh you know improvements or additions to that so that you don't get injured so 
once you work with this four days or five days in a week, you know how many hours you're investing. Let's say you're investing, uh, let's take the example of four days in a week. So three days are midweek and one day is the weekend. So the three uh, midweek days, you are, let's say, investing about an hour to 75 minutes of running because that's all you can afford to do if you're a professional and you need to go to work and things like that. It's the weekend uh, when you are free to invest a lot more time in your long runs, which can be anywhere from two hours to three hours as long as you are up to the half marathon goal. If you are at the full marathon goal, then maybe you need to invest four hours or four and a half hours closer to your um, you know, uh, goal race, so to say. And out of this, as we stated, these three plus two, six or seven hours, 60% of this you have to invest in aerobic runs, right? So that's about 3.6 to 4 hours, which means the balance time of 2 hours you need to invest in speed workouts. Now, speed workouts can be, uh, you know, at the lactate threshold, which can be your tempo runs. They can be at uh, VO2 max uh, uh, pace or effort level. And they can be even beyond VO2 max effort level, which we can talk about as we go along, which are called repetitions. So you have lactate threshold runs, you have uh, intervals, which are largely uh, VO2 max, and you have what are called as repetitions. These are definitions which uh, many authors use. I'm using the definition given by Jack Daniels in his book. Uh, yeah, so there is long tempo runs, short tempo runs, intervals, and there is repetitions. And you incorporate all this in a training schedule. And hitting all these paces means you are targeting different metabolic states in your body and getting different adaptations in terms of whether you are increasing the mitochondria in your muscles, whether it is increasing the cardiac output by way of the VO2 max going up, or whether you're able to handle blood lactate you know, effectively, even if it comes into your bloodstream. So this is how you would uh, create adaptations during that macro cycle which I spoke about 16 weeks, 20 weeks, 24 weeks and you will at uh, the two weeks or three weeks before hit your target race pace if you've got all the schedule right in place. Looking at the need of the hour and keeping comfort and safety in mind Run Mechanics have launched the online option for running form analysis which is simple and can be done at your convenience. For online running farm analysis, runners need a smartphone and natural light. Runners can opt to run on treadmill or a road or a track. This can be done in three simple steps. Log in and create your profile, record your run and upload your video. To know more about online running farm analysis, visit www.runmechanics.in. So somewhere you spoke about VO2 max, tempo, repetition, speed intervals, and I want to take one uh, one by one all of that. So we talk about tempo, which is also known as lactate threshold, and these are faster than a marathon pace and slower than intervals. And the reason why uh, we uh, we to tell them as lactic threshold is because our body releases uh, lactic acid, which is a chemical byproduct of anaerobic respiration. Now, uh, also, if we have a better lactic threshold, it helps us to run better aerobic state of running. 
right so uh, i my next question is how to identify a runner's current lactate threshold pace the first thing to do is understand what is uh, lactate threshold from a technical standpoint well the the body has uh, the ability to be able to uh, metabolize carbohydrate or glycogen uh, which is its storage form in uh, two two ways one is uh, you know the oxygen dependent pathway as we call it and the other is the oxygen independent pathway so what are these pathways it is just that when you are running at an easy pace right the amount of oxygen that you breathe in your blood takes it in uh, up to the cellular level and it can be utilized to metabolize carbohydrate into its byproducts the ultimate byproducts of carbon dioxide and water so this is what one would talk as complete combustion from an engineering standpoint right it's very clear if carbohydrate is burnt uh, or metabolized to carbon dioxide and water it would need adequate amount of oxygen now when would oxygen be adequate oxygen becomes adequate when your pace is reasonable or slow or easy because it is only at such point of time that the amount of oxygen that can be carried by your blood to the muscle cells is going to be made available for this metabolism to take place now as against this let's assume that from easy pace you start increasing your pace gradually the moment you start increasing your pace gradually there is a demand for more energy right so if there is a demand for more energy the metabolism of carbohydrate starts increasing now at the same time the amount of oxygen that's coming in tends to be inadequate if it is inadequate then the body ends up creating an intermediate compound instead of carbon dioxide and water it creates an intermediate compound called pyruvate and this pyruvate then dissociates into blood lactate or as we call it lactic acid now lactic acid is produced under what conditions a when your pace is higher than your easy pace and hard enough and b when there is inadequate oxygen available for metabolism all right so this is technically what is blood lactate how it enters your blood stream now when blood lactate enters your blood stream we say that lactate is produced and the body has a way by which it is also cleared so there is a production and there is an elimination of blood lactate now when the two match you are fine which means that blood lactate does not accumulate in the blood stream but if the amount of production is higher than the rate at which you can extract it yeah there will be a resultant blood lactate build up in your blood correct so it is this increase in blood lactate which tends to affect runners and slow them down or cause them to get pain in their calves or in their uh, lower extremities and ultimately if your pace is substantially high you will come to a grinding halt threshold is the point at which the production and the elimination are just about not matching okay so as an example you know blood lactate is measured in millimoles per liter so let's say as an example 
that at the point at which the blood lactate produced matches the blood lactate eliminated and the value is 4 millimoles per liter in your blood. The moment it goes to 4.5, 4.8, you say that there is blood lactate just about starting to get accumulated in your bloodstream, right? So when it just about starts getting accumulated, going from 4 as an example, a numerical example only, to 4.5, you know that you have reached the threshold at which blood lactate starts creeping up. This is called the threshold where the blood lactate just about starts creeping up. Okay. When it starts creeping up, if you keep on running faster, it will go to 4.8, it will go to 5, it may go to 5.2. At something like 5.5, it starts shooting up exponentially or really climbing. Okay. So, there are these two points. One is when it just about starts creeping up, it's called the lactate threshold. And when it starts shooting up exponentially, we call it onset of blood lactate accumulation or OBLA as it is called. So now how do you identify such technicalities in a practical way? By the way, I must tell uh, your listeners and the runners that lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold or, you know, maximum lactate steady state, these are so many definitions, about 20, 25 definitions. It is mind-boggling for any runner to be able to figure out what all these mean. And uh, most, uh, you know, exercise physiologists have not come to an agreement as to what is that one unifying, uh, you know, definition. There is one methodology which is made available and that is called the 30-minute run. And I must tell your runners that they should utilize this 30-minute run in order to be able to identify their lactate threshold pace. Now, we are very clear that it's the pace. This is the pace which you can hold for 30 minutes, okay? I'm going to repeat my sentence. This is the pace you can hold for 30 minutes and not more. At the end of 30 minutes, you are well and truly thoroughly exhausted and you cannot hold that pace any longer. If I have made you run for 33 minutes, your pace would drop. Naturally, this kind of a 30-minute test comes only through trial and error because not everyone can get it right in the first instance. So what is the methodology given to you to execute this 30-minute test is to divide it into 10 minutes and 20 minutes. So in the first 10 minutes, you start running and finding out that pace which you feel I can hold for 30 minutes. In the first 10 minutes, you find that pace. All right. Having zeroed in on that so-called pace, you then hold it for the next 20 minutes if you can. If you got it wrong, the test goes wrong, okay? If you slowed down in the 20 minutes, it means you really got it wrong, which means you have to repeat the test after another three or four days because you need to be well rested for this test, okay? You identify your average heart rate in the first 10 minutes. You identify your average heart rate in the next 20 minutes. They should be more or less close to each other. You add them and you divide by two, which means you really take the average of the whole thing. Okay. And your lactate threshold pace is nothing but the average of the total 30 minutes that you were running. So once you know this, this pace, which is for 30 minutes, you can utilize this pace 
to either run repeats which are 5 10 minutes each and to be done several times or let's assume uh, as a numerical example so that i am very clear about what i am stating let's assume that the lactate threshold pace is 6 minutes per kilometer okay this is the pace you were able to hold for 30 minutes and not more right now you can utilize 550 or 545 which means it's faster or you can utilize 612 615 or 620 which is slower right so you need to now work in your training with faster than lactate threshold and slower than lactate threshold so what happens is if you use faster than lactate threshold naturally you need to run in smaller segments because 6 was the pace you could hold for 30 minutes right if you work with 550 or 545 naturally you're not going to be running long you will run 5 minutes take a rest run another 5 minutes take a rest run another 5 minutes take a rest you may do about say 4 or 5 such repeats now what is the rest period that you have to take when you work in this manner now jack daniels has given a very nice guideline and it is true and can be utilized by all runners the rest period is a ratio of 5 is to 1 which means that if you run for 5 minutes take a 1 minute rest if you run for 10 minutes take a 2 minute rest so here you're training your body to handle blood lactate accumulation because as the number of repeats go go up the amount of blood lactate accumulated also goes up okay so you're training your body to handle blood lactate when you use slower than the 30 minute pace which is the 6 minute pace and you now decided that you will run at 612 you can run for longer you can maybe do 20 minutes into 2 you know so 20 minutes again you can take according to uh, jack daniels the moment you are at slower than blood lactate you can take a 10 is to 1 ratio which means every 10 minutes is one minute so if you were running for 20 minutes you would take two minute rest so if you did two times 20 minutes that is a total work period of 40 minutes you would need a two minute rest between these two intervals okay so 20 minutes at 6 12 two minutes rest 20 minutes at 6 12 two minutes rest yes Sure. So, Dan, my next question was about ideal duration of runs and the number of repeats, but I think that you have already covered it in, in your previous answer. So, um, so Dan, I would like to talk about uh, somewhere we mentioned about VO2 max and uh, VO2 max intervals are also higher than the lactate threshold and they are the fast sections which we alternate with relatively small recovery periods and which are also equal to the duration of fast sections, right? So what is the difference between lactate threshold and VO2 max intervals? So VO2 max is your maximum effort level when you run okay if i were to put you on a treadmill and i were to increase the speed in segments every two minutes so to say then you would end up progressively getting tired and uh, you know your heart rate would go up and at some point of time you would end up giving up right so yeah so VO2 max is a test in which you are delivering the maximum amount of oxygen to your muscle cells at the maximum effort level. So 
if i were to put you on a treadmill and start the treadmill at easy pace and every 2 minutes if i were to increase the speed in segments at some point of time your heart rate would go up and reach its max right and if at this point of time i had an apparatus which could measure the amount of oxygen that you're taking in as well as the blood lactate by taking blood samples from your fingertip i would be able to draw a graph right the graph would be that the heart rate would climb and at some point of time it would level out because that's the max heart rate right it's so also the amount of oxygen that you consume would rise and it would reach a certain maximum level so vo2 max means just that it's the maximum amount of oxygen that is consumed at the cellular level right when your effort level is the maximum okay so this is a test which is done in a laboratory and it gives you the amount of oxygen that is consumed at your cellular level and it, naturally because it is vo2 max your heart rate is max okay so in training if you were to use to utilize heart rate as a method for uh, vo2 max kind of runs you have to use a heart rate which is 95 to 98% of your max effort naturally you can never run at your max effort it's not good to run at your max effort so utilize 95% to 98% of your max heart rate which i showed you how you should calculate and use that in your training so this is the difference the lactate threshold is pertaining to the amount of blood lactate that accumulates it is naturally at a heart rate which is much lower than the uh, vo2 max how much lower well the range is between 82% to 92% of max heart rate 92% is what the elite runners the, the the ethiopians and kenyans reach and when it comes to vo2 max it is always at 95 to 98% of your heart rate max so this is the differentiator between the two and uh, this is how you would then utilize vo2 max in your intervals so intervals here again if we take what jack daniels uh, gives you as a guideline the ratio is 1 is to 1 and you must make sure that your intervals are short because now you're running at max heart rate and you cannot afford to think that you can run for 5 minutes or 6 minutes or 7 minutes typically intervals are run at 2 minutes 2 and a half minutes 3 minutes 3 and a half minutes or 4 minutes all right this is how intervals are run and the uh, rest period is equal to the work period so if you run 2 minutes at a heart rate of 95 to 98% of max the rest period is 2 minutes if you run 3 minutes at vo2 max pace the rest period is 3 minutes because the ratio is 1 is to 1 so this is how you can incorporate either time based intervals or you can incorporate distance based intervals provided you keep in mind that you should not be running at more than 4 minutes at a time at vo2 max because it is very stressful to the body and it is uh, it's going to create a lot of fatigue so you may not be able to do several intervals if you're running the intervals at a uh, 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 at a distance or time which is too high okay so if you work with 200 meters 300 meters 400 meters or 600 meters depending on what kind of a runner you are in terms of your ability provided you cover these distances between 2 minutes to Four minutes. You can utilize them to run intervals, and the total number of intervals that you should be running, because that's also important for you, should total about twenty minutes of work period. So, if let's say 
four minutes was your interval how many intervals would you run to make it 25 of them right if you would if you were to utilize two minute intervals you can run up to 10 intervals to make it 20 all right so this is how you utilize intervals and the difference between lactate a threshold and vo2 max so so dan you you segued for towards the speed intervals very smoothly here just one question i have is when when should a runner introduce short intervals in their training short intervals are utilized largely when we talk about improving running economy or trying to get your fast twitch muscle fibers as we call them uh, muscle fibers which you generally do not use but they are used largely in sprints but they come into use for endurance runners uh, at a stage when they are giving the finishing kick to let's say a 10k or uh, a 5k so these are uh, uh, points at which you utilize your fast twitch muscles which are type 2b just as a technical example though we will not go into those details okay let's you have slow twitch intervals which are endurance based and fast twitch intervals which give you more of power and faster running speed now you utilize this kind of a domain as we call it when you want to improve your running economy running economy is the uh, efficiency at which you run all right it means that when you expend energy in metabolism most of the energy should go into propelling you forward okay an example is let's say a car so if you're uh, running the car uh, in an efficient manner the amount of petrol it will use right is going to be minimal or efficient if i were to deflate the tires of this car naturally it would run inefficiently right so deflating the tires is an example of runners who waste energy when running how do they waste energy a classic example is a runner whose upper torso will rotate you've seen runners who swing from left to right left to right and their arms move across their body right this is called wasting energy and this is inefficient running running economy is low in such runners so when we incorporate short fast intervals we improve what is called as running economy ultimately it means that the runner will end up utilizing less of his carbohydrate for that particular race which comes in great use when you're running a full marathon because you know conserving carbohydrate is a very important aspect of running a full marathon so when you utilize these short intervals you have to work with uh, uh, rest periods which are 2 to 4 times the work period which means that if you're utilizing 1 minute of uh, uh, short interval 2 minutes to 4 minutes is the rest period and that's the kind of rest you need to recover from each interval and these intervals have to be short enough to make sure that your body is not entirely uh, going into fatigue that's all understood so dan this is insightful and and we've covered all the components of pacing and now we i want to talk about how we strategize pacing and various races will have different different strategies um so generally there is a common belief that we should end and there is a desire that we should end with negative splits however i've observed that for longer races like a marathon negative splits are generally not achieved because uh, we did an analysis of tmm 2020 and 96 percent of runners had pos- positive splits right so my question to you is uh, what should be the strategy 
of pacing for shorter versus longer distances? So in shorter distances, it is possible to get negative splits because, uh, you know, you are uh, dependent upon everything that you did in training and the kind of pace that you were able to use as your goal race pace. It can come out true on race day for shorter distances as against the full marathon. Why do I say this? Because in the full marathon, there are a lot of things that go wrong for a runner and significant out of that is the amount of carbohydrate that is stored in the body. So everyone right from the recreational runner to the elite runner ends up depleting their carbohydrate stores and for the last approximately 10 to 6 kilometers of the full marathon race, you are running on depleted carbohydrate stores. And this is when your pace drops. Okay. So in negative splits, the second half of your race is faster than the first half of your race, which really means that in a full marathon, why you get these 96% of runners uh, having positive splits is they cannot help it. In the full marathon, you are likely to slow down in the last 10 kilometers to 6 kilometers. There is no two ways about it, all right? Unless, unless you're one of those 4% runners who has got their strategy perfect in terms of how much of carbohydrate they had externally in terms of gels and how much they had practiced this uh, pace in their training. So, it is inevitable that you will slow down in the full marathon and therefore you will get a positive split. The second half will always be longer than the first half. In order to get a negative split in a full marathon, A, you have to put in all the hard work in terms of the mileage, your speed training and most of all your race pace training. So in all your long runs which are between 30 kilometers to 36 kilometers, you have to be able to hold that race pace without any fatigue. And in all these runs of 30 to 36 kilometers, you have to also practice taking in your external carbohydrate in terms of gels or electrolyte or whatever it is that works for you whether it's bananas, dates. So you are feeding your body to make sure that in the last 10 kilometers to 6 kilometers, you do not get substantially depleted and you're able to dig deep and hold your pace or even faster than it in the last 10 kilometers. Yes, it's possible. There are many runners who can do this and they, they do it because they've got everything right. The training has been right. They've worked very hard with their race pace. They've got their nutritional intake and the timing correct. And that's how you can get a negative split. Otherwise, you have to work with positive splits. But in 5K, 10K and half marathon, you do not deplete your carbohydrate stores. You have ample carbohydrate stores still remaining in the half marathon to except for those recreational slow runners who finish in more than two and a half hours then yes you can also deplete your carbohydrate stores in the half marathon but for the most of the runners who are finishing in less than two hours you don't deplete your carbohydrate stores and it is possible for you to work with negative splits provided you have worked in training to find out what is that pace that you can hold you know for the entire duration of the race without uh, without dropping the pace. Important thing is also take into account the, uh, the weather. For example, in the Mumbai Marathon, you start with colder weather and then you end with 
warm weather again naturally when the weather is warmer you will slow down right so so many things go wrong in a in a race like the mumbai marathon in terms of the weather in terms of the terrain the the pedderod hill comes towards the fag end of the race so naturally you are likely to slow down and it's not surprising naturally that 96% of the runners get positive splits there understood so uh, dan with this i come to the last question and uh, you answered it partially that is what are the parameters that need to be considered when deciding the race pace so the first thing is to take into consideration the weather because this is the most significant aspect when you decide on a race pace you also have to decide on where you are going to race which is why a lot of runners end up choosing the berlin marathon or the london marathon because a it is uh, uh, cooler weather than you would uh, get in india because uh, we are talking about runners in india right so cooler weather than you would get in india the second aspect is the terrain if you have too many inclines or declines in the uh, marathon or your race you would end up creating fatigue in your legs even if it's decline because declines can end up uh, you know uh, creating a lot of fatigue in your uh, thighs which which we call as eccentric kind of uh, forces on your uh, thighs so inclines and declines are going to also cause problems in your pacing and time of the day is largely a function of both the weather as well as how your overall uh, wellness quotient is if you are a kind of a runner who runs better in the uh, mornings as compared to in the evenings it can change things but the two significant aspects are the weather and the terrain so choose a, a race pace which is going to be based on the temperature of the day for that race and also the terrain without these you cannot target a kind of a goal race pace once you have targeted the goal race pace you need to start practicing in your training using these two parameters for example if you were to choose let's say as an extreme example the satara hill marathon now that's that's a long incline followed by a long decline and in such a case if you targeted just the satara marathon and your time for it you would need to train using hills for that kind of a race so always simulate your race conditions in training if you have a target time if you do not have a target time it's a different matter but you have to simulate your race conditions in training so also for the weather one of the things i can tell you uh, is that r- runners who live in the north of india and who train for the mumbai marathon they end up really running in cold weather whereas when they come back come to bombay for the mumbai marathon they are running in warm weather so how do you train for it the only way to train for it is to wear multiple layers of clothing is what i tell my runners yeah you wear two sweat shirts in order to create a core temperature which is going to be high enough to simulate mumbai conditions because outside weather outside temperature is in the region of 12 14 16 uh, or even 5 degrees if you are running in um, you know uh, ludhiana for example so how do you simulate mumbai weather conditions is to wear multiple layers of clothing in your long runs so that you sweat or create a core temperature which is higher so that's how you can end up training and targeting your goal race pace and achieving it in training 
understood so dan with this we come to the end of our episode and uh, i must say i thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and personally i feel i'm going to benefit with this conversation and i hope all the other listeners benefit from this conversation with you and thank you thank you it's my pleasure and thank you for giving me the opportunity i would like to thank all our listeners and if you like this episode and would like to know more on the world of running please subscribe to our channel and if you know of someone who is starting their journey into fitness and running to share a podcast link with them i would like to thank my friend arvind for editing sound recording and taking care of the post production for this podcast if you have any suggestions on improving the content of the show or topics you would like us to cover please share it by emailing us at connect at geeksonfeet.com we generate running content for those seeking technical assistance to training which is available in our show notes or you can also reach us through twitter facebook or instagram